You know, it, it really bothers me when people talk about, well, you know, this new generation, they're terrible and we, we don't like them. But, you know, what other generation are you going to get? Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. We've talked about millennials on this show before, how they learn and how they work in today's fire service, but they're not the only generation that's confusing employers. Meet iGen. Born after 1995, these kids, as you might expect, are more comfortable with virtual conversations than they are in person. And they may need a little more confidence building. Back again to discuss the iGen is Linda Willing. She's a retired fire officer who runs a company called Real World Training and Consulting. She also teaches at the National Fire Academy. Linda is the author of a book, On the Line, Women Firefighters Tell Their Stories. And Linda Willing joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's a pleasure. Tell me about these kids. What do we know about the iGen? Well, first of all, iGen is a term that was coined by Jean Twenge, who is an author and researcher, um, probably the principal researcher on this generation so far. She's written several books and is a professor at, I believe, San Diego State University. She's used a huge amount of data that has been collected on generations since the 1960s to compare different trends between people of a certain age during certain generational times. She's written about millennials. She's considered an expert on that generation as well. And when she started researching this generation, she found some some very distinct differences in what these young people were wanting and what some of their core competencies were and what some of their needs were in terms of being successful. So one of the things that comes to very clearly is that um, this generation is much more focused on safety and security than um, previous generations. And if you think about it, it makes sense, but it it's also creates both a challenge and an opportunity. So how does that affect how they expect to be treated on the job? Well, I think that, first of all, they are going to be more, this is a plus, I think, they're going to be more open to messages focused on safety and security. So rather than being reckless freelancers, they're going to be much more willing to follow good leadership. They're going to be looking for positive role models, but they're going to need more reassurance along the way. They're not as cocky and confident as uh, previous generations that came along. I mean, these were kids who were Six years old, you know, the oldest of these kids were, I call them kids, they are to me, but honestly, the oldest of them are, are, they're entering the workplace now, they're in their early 20s. 
And these young people, they were six years old when 9-11 happened. You know, it had a huge formative impact on them. You know, they were they were in preschool when the Columbine shooting started the whole wave of school shootings and the, the idea of insecurity at school and, you know, the kinds of things that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I never had to deal with as a child. I never had to do protect in place drills and things like that for school shooters. I mean, it was it was unimaginable. And this is just normal to young people now. Is there an overlap between millennials and the iGen? Um, yes, I think there is an overlap. I mean, certainly technologically, uh, millennials, you know, jumped on technology and, and are riding it uh, for all it's worth. But they didn't grow up with it in quite the same way. You know, they had to learn it. This generation didn't. This generation, you know, technology is as natural to them as you know, speaking a first language or walking. I mean, it, it's just part of who they are from birth, really. And that, again, is a is an opportunity as well as a drawback. I mean, the opportunity is that the fire service is becoming more technological. It's becoming more data-driven. Um, and that's a good thing, you know, that, that conclusions and decisions are made in a way that's verifiable rather than just instinctual. You know, you can have... You can have facts and and information and other people's experiences. I mean, the 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 internet and associated technologies have given us access to communicate with anybody on the planet basically instantaneously, and that's that's huge. And these young people are totally comfortable with that. Um, in fact, more than comfortable, they just expect to be able to do that. Likewise, they're very comfortable with computers. A lot of them have grown up uh, knowing how to do coding and things like that. That are real. Those are real assets to to any organization to have those skills. There is a downside, though. <laughs> yeah, and that's where I was going next. <laughs> yeah. Well, the downside is that um, this generation, this youngest generation, tends to spend a lot more time in virtual communication than they do in actual communication. There is a, in Jane Twenge's book, iGen, um, she says that uh, the estimates are that uh, people of this generation check their their smartphones at least 80 times a day, if not more. That's a minimum, 80 times a day. And, and you, you know, this is no surprise to anyone who's been at the gym or in a restaurant or, or basically anywhere where you see people who are in you know, group situations. I mean, it, it's kind of heartbreaking to me when I go to a restaurant, there's a family sitting there at a, at a restaurant meal that should be a special occasion, and they're all completely absorbed on their phones. They're together, but they're not really together. Exactly. And I've heard this complaint from fire departments. And by the way, it's not just this youngest generation that's doing it. I mean, older people have become just as bad it's just that they don't have quite the same expectation and complete immersion that the young people do. So it's a challenge. You know, if you want to have crew cohesion, if you want to do team building, if you want people to communicate with one another, you know, as a fire crew in the station, if you want to build that kind of camaraderie, you're going to have to do it in spite of phones, not because of them, you know? I mean, you don't want people just scattering all to their separate corners and, and absorbed completely in their phones during every every downtime minute in the station. I mean, to me, I think that that is a negative. Um, in your experience, 
do these folks believe that a phone does not really distract them, even though it might actually distract them? You know, my observation, and this was uh, reinforced in the literature that I've read, my observation is that it's not even a thought. It's just like an extension of their hand. <laughs> you know, I mean, I see people working out at the gym. You know, I go to the gym a couple times a week and I see, you know, young men, for example, doing serious, you know, free weight workouts. And in between their sets, they're texting. You know, they're checking their phones. I mean, it's just the, the natural go-to thing to do when you're not actively involved with something else. And that's the challenge for leadership in the fire service is to create other alternatives rather than just that singular, you know, solitary kind of um, thing that people do with their phones. I'll be back with more right after this. On any given day, you are tasked to be your best and power through the worst of times, all at a moment's notice. We know the sacrifices you make each and every day. Your success relies on superior equipment and the best training available. That's why Federal Resources is here to support you, the everyday hero. We are here so you can excel. Discover your success at federalresources.com. Rob Wiley has advocated turning this to an advantage by using technology in ways that we maybe never did. How do I, Jen, kids, for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> how do they react to classroom teaching or instruction where they have to focus their attention? My experience as an instructor uh, is that everyone's uh, attention span has diminished over the past 20 years. Um, and that's not just these young people, but certainly they are more, because of how they've been raised, because they haven't had that same expectation of, you know, sitting in a desk, staring at a board, listening for two hours. Um, I, I'm not sure that that's the best way to teach anybody, to be perfectly honest. You know, I think that, that those of us who grew up like that, I mean, that was, that was it. We had to do it. And the ones who succeeded adapted to that. But there's a lot of literature out there that shows that different people of all ages learn in different ways. And you want to offer them a lot of, a lot of different opportunities, whether it's online, whether it's, um, you know, kind of interactive video, whether it's hands-on stuff, but also that traditional, you know, I, I think that I worry that with all the technology that is, that is out there, that the, the value of just face-to-face -face conversation, question and answer and discussion, you know, that that might be lost. There has been some discussion about their lack of self-confidence or their need for for self-confidence building what can you tell me about that i don't know how old you are but i know that i am eternally grateful that every single thing that i did during my teens and early 20s isn't recorded uh 
for posterity. You know oh, what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's a that's a career killer aside from everything else. Right, and and yet that is the reality. I mean, when you are that age and you are among your peers, among your friends, just out socially, someone is recording it all the time. So that that is um, it creates. A, a weird kind of dynamic in the sense that, you know, one of the, the things that people talk about uh, through all the different online uh, social media platforms that people use, uh, FOMO, the fear of missing out, because people are constantly posting and sharing oh, who they're with and where they are and what they're doing, that if you're not part of that, there there's a real sense of, well, why am I not part of that, you know? I mean... Being a, a, a young adult, teenager, it's an insecure time of your life anyway. Um, to add this type of uh, pressure to it, I think would be very difficult. You know, I got to tell you, after reading about this generation, I think some chiefs are going to say they just want to be coddled and be, and they'll be frustrated with that. You know, I, I think there's a difference between coddling and supporting. You know, I don't think, and that, and this is very strongly stated in Jean Twenge's book, that they they don't expect to be coddled. They they want reassurance. They want support. They want good leadership. You know, they want good role models. They want opportunities to learn and to create mastery of skills. And along the way, you know, they may not have some of the basic skills and knowledge that may be assumed from a previous generation. But to me, that's not coddling. That's just accepting the reality of this is this is the young generation that we have, and they have skills and abilities that we didn't have, and they may have some deficits that, you know, we need to bolster. That's just reality. I mean, they bring a lot. This, You know, it, it really bothers me when people – talk about well you know this new generation they're terrible and we we don't like them and of course you know, well, we, what, we've what always other, done that but yeah we, yeah we've always done that since ancient times but you know what other generation are you going to get <laughs> I mean, you know so I, I think it's kind of i don't know self-indulgent a little bit to say oh you know we were the greatest generation and and we did all this stuff and these kids they don't know anything and they're worthless you know no no, no, no. I mean, you can create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You know, if you treat people as if they're worthless and you don't give them opportunities and you don't include them, then you're going to get what you deserve, you know, because that's what you've created. But if you reach out to this group and really, you know, let them know that you value them and you recognize their assets. I mean, for one thing, this is the most diverse and open-minded generation that has ever come along and they just assume diversity in terms of race ethnicity gay rights i mean all of this is just normal to them it's no big deal let's talk about something else you know because it's just the way it is the um, demographic makeup of this generation is the most ethnically diverse 25% of the generation under that was born after 1995 are Hispanic. 5% are multiracial. Non-Hispanic whites in this generation are only 53%. And this generation makes up 24% of the total population of this country right now. 
So this is not a generation that can just be overlooked. I mean, this is the future. You know, I think that, that yes, support and recognition of what the needs are and what the strengths and weaknesses are, I think that's good leadership. That's what should be happening in every generation. Do me a favor, reach over to your right, grab your crystal ball, look into it, and tell me what you see for how these people are going to be leaders 20 years from now in the, into the future. Well, you know, Jean Twenge, the author that I've been referring to in this discussion, I think she put it best. She said, managers who can give this generation some security, along with some nurturance, may well find themselves with the hardest working group of young people to come along in a decade or even two. I think that's probably a, a reasonable assumption given what I know about people of the generation. It sounds, though, like we just have to get past that predisposition to judge them harshly at first. Well, that's right, you know, and, and the thing is that young people are growing up more slowly now. They, they do take longer to finish school, for example, to find work, to move out of their parents' house, to marry, to have kids. All of these things are happening on a, a slower time frame. But people are also living longer. So it's not surprising that those, you know, the different phases of life would stretch out a bit. <laughs> you know, when somebody once said, you know, Im immaturity is a common disease of the young. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, you get young people in your organization and they are going to have some issues with immaturity. And if you lead them and you guide them and provide that, that type of role modeling that they need, you're going to end up with really great people down the line, you know, because, and you're going to have part of that. It doesn't just happen on its own. Anyone who's raised a child knows that it doesn't just happen on its own that you get a great kid at you know 18 years after birth it takes work and that's part of the work of leadership in any organization any family any group at all all right we'll leave it there linda willing always a pleasure to have you on code three well thank you so much good to talk to you and we put some more information on this newest generation as well as information on linda's company and how you can contact her on our website at code3podcast.com slash iGen. Check it out. Now, here's your trivia question. It's actually a trivia command. Define the Higby cut. I'll have the answer right after this. Now's your chance to get your hands on Code 3 t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more. Show your support for the podcast that supports firefighters from coast to coast. Just go to Code3podcast.com and click on the Code 3 store link. Or go to Code3podcast.com slash shop and tell the world that you're a Code 3 fan. Here's the trivia answer. The Higby cut is a special cut at the beginning of the thread on a hose coupling. It provides positive identification of the first thread to eliminate cross-threading. Because when you're in a hurry, cross-threading is the last thing you want to deal with. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. 
Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.